I don't know. I kind of like that. So actually, complicated. I just wanted funny. to know if I needed to say something. Yeah, well, let's. I think it's better to have us all introduce ourselves in our own voice so that people can make that. Yeah. Even though by now, but I just think it's a better practice. Uh, unless, unless you guys want to come up with your real housewife saying. No, no. <laughs> I don't think we can beat what happened last time. I don't even remember what it was. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. Very special guest, Brian Schmetzer, head coach of CL Center. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is... Beth Mantle. And... Nikki Turner. Look at that pulled it off kind of. <laughs> well well that's debatable <laughs> uh anyway we gotta we haven't we haven't talked in like a whole week and here we are sounders are coming off a tie with the Colorado rapids in which the rapids got a 66 minute goal kind of looked like it might just be not the sounders night and then leo chu happened and he puts in a cross so good that any one of two players could have scored it. And I'll tell you, I watched that replay 20 times. And I understand that Christian Roldan got the goal. And I understand that Christian Roldan celebrated like he got the goal. But I will tell you, if you didn't, if you just watch that play again, I you can't convince me Freddie Montero didn't score it. It's definitely kind of like an optical illusion. I I'm kind of totally with you on that. It just I cannot tell for the life of me who actually knocked it down. I think there's one angle where it's pretty clear that it was Christian. Uh, but, you know, it was going again, going so fast that it was just really difficult to tell. Uh, but as he said, uh, the guy who celebrates the uh, the loudest usually gets to claim it. So, uh, yeah, you know, nice goal, Christian. Yeah, exactly. One of them was like slightly off. I think it would have been a replay of Javi clattering into Freddie. Like and their feet were in the same spot. Like they were on top of each other. Right. And I, I Luckily, we got that, a goal, though, which was yeah. better than the earlier play, which was not right. a goal. Uh, I will say that the one thing that makes me think that it or that convinces me that it was Christian is that I don't think Freddie is the kind of goal scorer to easily give up a goal. And if he sees Christian, if he thought he got it, he would have made sure everyone knew that that he got a piece of that one. I think but, that is also very true. Uh, anyway, it was a great it was a great play. I thought Leo Chu. You know, it was funny on the replay, they, you could not tell who passed him the ball, but I guess it was Zhao Paolo, the Sunders uh, social team, informed me of that. But it was a great, a great uh, control of the pass, and he doesn't necessarily beat his defender with speed, but he does show a little bit of, of physicality to, to create some space, and he puts in, just like, a, like I said, it was a perfect cross. It was kind of a moment of brilliance from Leo Chu, who... You know, we haven't gotten to see a lot of, but I will say that the skills that he's shown us in his brief moments, which I think are still less than maybe in less than 90 minutes, but certainly less than, than 100 minutes, 
uh, he he's proven himself to be to have some tricks in his bag. Yeah, I uh, I was impressed with this performance from him. Um, you know, obviously he got an assist in his in his first game in the league's cup, and he scored the goal uh, a couple of games back. But uh, this is you know he got a, an extended run out, which I think it was as long as since he came on at halftime uh, a few games back. I can't remember who who was against uh, who he came. Jose. Yeah, San Jose. Um, and in this game, you know, you, you point out that he, you know, showed the physicality off, which was a bit of a surprise. Although on his goal that he scored, he kind of did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, it's possible that, you know, maybe we just kind of did not really know that part of his game existed. We were all enticed by, uh, you know, when Karth called him an attacking new who, uh, that, you know, he's just going to, you know, run up and down the field and run past everybody. Although I guess new who is a physical player too. So maybe we should have taken a cue there. But yeah, it was, it was kind of good to see him um, in what I think was a more natural position for him, um, which uh, Schmetzer pointed out after the uh, after the game, um, which allowed him to be a little bit more direct and attacking um, as opposed to trying to find the game and create necessarily. So, you know, he got to the end line on that play, uh, did a great job of kind of shielding uh, Kellen Acosta off, which is, you know, Acosta is a national team player for whatever you think of him. He is certainly a, a quality player, um, at least by MLS standards. So he was able to, you know, essentially beat him. Um, and I think the impressive thing on the on the goal was that he just didn't put in a blind cross. Uh, you saw him look up a couple of times and find the spot to send the ball, uh, which, you know, allowed uh, Christian or Freddie, whoever you want to give the goal to, uh, uh, the opportunity to come in and crash and, and, and put it home. So, yeah, it was definitely – and he had, a, I think, another play where he had a, a similar attack uh, that didn't come off, but yeah. you know that you know it's what it is. Uh, so I think you know it's it's really nice to see him kind of uh, for us to see him kind of a, a display his talents um, and maybe show a little bit more of what he's doing each and every time out, um, which appears to be a little bit more. Um, and I think as he gets kind of integrated into the team and uh, is able to kind of you know understand the tactics that uh, they want to play with. Uh, you know, if he's doing this with only having a month and a half of, of training and in a couple of games, then, you know, you got to think that uh, things are going to look really good towards the end of this year and into next year. Yeah, I think um, the assist was obviously great, but I, there was a play um, closer to either the end of regulation or in stoppage time where he take, he makes a tackle and he stops the counterattack. And I think that's, probably almost more important than his assist because I think some of the hesitancy that Schmetzer has had about playing him is that he hasn't been like fully committed on defending which we know is a big Schmetzer thing is like team defense um and you can see Brian on the sideline of the play like very enthusiastically clapping when he makes the tackle um and so I think that's another good thing that shows that he's kind of he's getting in with the with the tactics and he's he's making his way to being a, a sounder yeah, I, w- I would say that the assist was probably more important for this game, but you're right. I think that that tackle may have been more important for his prospects of increased playing time. And Mickey actually asked Brian about Leo's playing time, or maybe it was specifically about his defense. And and Brian sort of almost laughed at like, yeah, he's, he's not the best defender, but... <laughs> I appreciate that he's really putting an effort. And I think for a player like him, the effort is sometimes almost as important as the end product because it's just the buy-in. It's showing the willingness to do the work. 
because we know what he can do going forward. We're seeing it on a virtually every time he's in the game, he's doing something that it may not come off. He doesn't have an assist or a goal in every game he's played, but he's constantly finding himself in dangerous moments and he's going to have, and so far he hasn't really had to do a whole lot of defending, but in this game he did. I mean, it was, he did, you know, the Sounders had had 10 minutes or, or more really with stoppage time to, to see this game out. And they were still going for the win, but they definitely, they knew that dropping points at that point was the, a disaster. Like they needed, they needed this, this point, if not necessarily for the standings, I think they kind of needed it for their mentality because you don't want to start getting, even if it's only a two game losing streak, you see the, you see the schedule coming up and there's no, the centers don't have any easy games at all. Uh, they have sporting Kansas city at home. They have LA, uh, LAFC on the road, who all of a sudden is starting to look a little bit better. LA Galaxy, I think, have been two or three in a row now. Uh, that's a that's their last home game, and then they close with the Whitecaps, who suddenly look as hot as any team in the league. So it, it wouldn't have been completely crazy to think that you know you they, it wasn't that hard to imagine losing this game and it snowballing into something that becomes a full blown crisis. Yeah, what you know, what I I thought was that. As you said, the point was extremely important, uh, you know, for their mentality and I think for the standings, too, uh, because that would have put a lot of pressure on them this weekend against uh, Sporting Kansas City, who already beat them at home. Um, And the Sounders are going to and Kansas City is going to be on a full week's rest um, and the Sounders are decidedly not. Um, They're probably going to how that has happened twice this year where they were playing Kansas City on short rest and Kansas City is coming off full rest is a little uh, frustrating, but go on. Yeah. And yeah, again, Kansas city came in here and, and beat them again. The Sonics weren't at full strength in that game. Um, but you know, if they come in and lose that game and Colorado, uh, takes care of business against Portland, uh, then, you know, Colorado, if, uh, the Sounders are lost, uh, you know, Colorado then is tied on points with them and Kansas city is then, you know, with a game in hand ready to leapfrog them. Um, so you're looking at the very real prospect of them, uh, needing to get a result against LAFC, uh, to, you know, to stay in that top three, you know, uh, Portland, as we, as you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, kind of a bottle uh, last, uh, last night, but, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's not a position you want to be in. Um, and then trying to, uh, go on the road against a hot LAFC team or a hotter LAFC team, and then trying to get a result against the galaxy who granted Sounders have had their number this year. Um, so yeah, that was an important run, as you say, for the mentality, but you know, on, in the standings as well. And so now they've got, they still have their cushion. Uh, if they can get a result of any kind really against Kansas city, then you have to like their chances of, of finishing top of the West. And if they win the game, then they're pretty much assured, uh, top of the West at that point. So, uh, yeah, a lot to play for. And yeah, it was a very important point to, uh, to get on the road. And I'll also point out that if they can get now, if they can ride this and they can get a win against Kansas city, not only are they, they're not literally guaranteed a, uh, the win to win the West at that point, but they would be literally guaranteed to host. If they get to MLS cup, they'd be guaranteed to host against any opponent from the East other than the revs, which I'm going to use as a good transition into bidding farewell to the supporter shield. Like last time we were recording, we got ourselves all, all riled up into believing that the shield was winnable. We, you know, uh, we asked, we, we thought, okay, if the Sounders just lose one game from here on out, they're fine. They, they lost the Dynamo game. That wasn't the disaster. 
But then we needed the big thing was we needed the Revs to drop points at home against the Fire and then lose against DC United. And DC jumped out to a 1 0 lead. And for like a brief five minute spell there, <laughs> it felt like maybe it was all coming together. But alas, it, it was not. The Revs came back and they won that game. They were actually up 3 1 before settling for a 3 2 win. And while that is mathematically not sealed, I think that any hopes we can stop even pretending to feel like the supporter shield is possible. Beth, how do you feel about, about putting that to bed? I feel very sad. Because I lost the League's Cup, and I really wanted the League's Cup. And I've also lost the Supporter Shield. I feel like I'm missing a part of me at this point. I also think it's kind of sad that the Sounders team won't have any, like, physical representation of how well they did in the regular season for, like, very large chunks of it. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, if you look, it's just, it's kind of sad they don't have anything to show for it. Like, we didn't have the Open Cup. We had League's Cup, and then we lost League's Cup. Um, yeah, oh, poor trophy. Would have been in such better hands with me. Um, but yeah, we we let those slip away, and we also let the supporter shields slip away. So I feel like this season, it doesn't deserve to go into our memories as just like another season. I feel like it deserved a bit of punctuation for the regular season. But alas, we... We didn't do it. We didn't get the League's Cup. We didn't get the Supporters' Shield. So now it's all on, all on MLS Cup. Yeah, the, the, one good, the other good piece of news, uh, by blowing a 2-0 lead at home for the Whitecaps, the Timbers were eliminated, officially eliminated from the Cascadia Cup. Uh, and that means that the season finale is going to be the winner – not quite the winner gets Cascade Cup. The Sounders have a bit of a cushion, a three-goal cushion in this one. But, uh, yeah, the Sounders, as long as they can avoid being blown out by the Whitecaps, they're going to win the Cascade Cup. That's not quite what we're talking about here. but It's it is, not uh, as exciting, but I will take it. I like yeah. George. Yeah. Having George around is nice. Yeah, he lives, at, he lives down the street from me. Yeah, at uh, Atlantic Crossing, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, at, to Bella's point, you know, there's not any regular season hardware that we get to look at or look forward to at this point, which is, is certainly disappointing. Um, but, you know, I think the season under the circumstances, you know, to this point, especially they've, they certainly overperformed what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I think most, uh, most people thought that there was going to be some growing pains in a rebuilding year, um, even if they weren't going to you know, be a Cincinnati or something like that. Uh, that they were, were going to struggle um, and they didn't uh, at all, to, especially to start the season. Now they had that little you know slide in the middle of the year, which was mostly injury uh, related, but I think, you know, by and large for this year, it's been a fun year of, of regular season uh, soccer for the Sounders. Um, and again, it, it is unfortunate that they're not going to be able to, to, you know, contest the supporters should have been kind of cool to see things really come down the stretch and then really push the revs. Um, but, you know, credit to the revs, they've, you know, in what I think we can agree is a, a, a slightly weakened Eastern conference, they've taken care of business. And that's kind of the difference between the Sounders and the revs this year uh, is the Sounders let some points drop that they shouldn't have, uh, especially against the bottom of the conference. Um, and the revs, the revs have not done that. Uh, yeah. And the revs did not. And, you know, that is kind of the difference uh, between the two teams and why the revs will be hosting MLS cup if they get there. 
in a weird way, I'm kind of thankful that we're not going to have like this stressful supporter shield run, putting it to the last game of the season, because I have a Harry Styles concert that same day. And I don't know if I could handle both like the stress of what's going to happen to the supporter shield and also that concert in the same day. I think I would just simply cease to exist. So maybe it's better for me this way. Yeah, I could I could see that. Uh, I will note uh, a, a fun statistical note is that since 2012, when the supporter shield winner won the right to host uh, only one team that won the supporter shield has even gone on to host MLS cup. Uh, and that was the 2017 Toronto FC team that of course beat the Sounders. Uh, and they're the only team to have won, obviously both the supporter shield and the last team to have won the supporter shield and the, and the MLS cup in the same year, 2011 was the year before that where the galaxy pulled off that double, but it's not, it's my point is that it's no, nothing like a guarantee of going to MLS Cup, and I suppose if you have to choose between winning MLS Cup and winning Supporter Shield, I think most of us would probably take winning MLS Cup and being very competitive in the Supporter Shield. Yeah, and they were this year. Um, again, in a, in a normal year, although it, it's been interesting that the points record, which New England is potentially uh, you know poised to break here, keeps getting broken. It's been broken like three times in the last like four seasons. Uh, and so these we're getting these gaudy point totals from, from teams. Um, and in any normal year, the Sounders would be, you know, right at, at pace to, to at least win the supporter shield or at least in the, you know, in the more distant past, but it's not something that's happened recently because the, uh, the point record keeps getting obliterated. Yeah. To, 2017 uh, Toronto FC broke the points record, which had been standing since I think 1999. Uh, and they I wasn't they had, born then, right? To put Which that a, into perspective, right? Well, that's that very, a, very uh, disturbing perspective. But, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't really appreciate that particular perspective. As well, I was, like, I figured I needed college. to offer it. Okay. Yeah. No. That's fair, how fair long enough. the points record had been standing. Yeah. I didn't exist. Yeah, it was ninety-eight or ninety-nine. In any case, that that record had been set, and then so Toronto FC broke that with sixty-nine points in two thousand seventeen. Nice. nice. And then 2018, I believe it was, that uh, that actually the Red Bulls broke it and Atlanta also <laughs> topped it, but Atlanta, but the Red Bulls got the record at 72 Man, points. Imagine breaking the record and then not winning the supporter <laughs> shield. Yeah. That yeah, would be but, my villain origin story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or 71 points, I think, is what they got that year. And then, uh, of course, LAFC broke it in 2019. So at that point, it was three straight years, the the points record had been snapped and then 2020 no one broke it because they only played 25 games or whatever 24 games and then this year here we are it looks like new england is probably gonna i mean at this point it would be a disappointment if they didn't get to at least 73 but i i mean 74 75 is very much in reach for them they got miami in the last game can't imagine (laughs) that's gonna you know you know uh, to be fair arena could rest the entire team if they've already well yeah they've already secured a first place in the east so um and he's already yeah. gone on record or saying he doesn't he doesn't care about the sporting shield so oh no he changed uh, his tune today he said oh, now that he? it looks like we're going to win it i'm very excited about it or something like that yeah, <laughs> very very inspiring people that aren't invested in the supporter shield should not be able to win the supporter shield you have to be fully committed to the bit and bruce arena is not committed to the supporter no. shield the only thing the only thing bruce arena is committed to is is looking like droopy dog uh, but in any case, uh, I, I, I raised the ire of some Rebs fans today when I pointed out that, so the Sounders played 
the Rapids last night. Their points per game is one was one point seven six coming into the game, which is a pretty solid uh, points per game mark. Sounders, I think, have played four or five games against teams with at least that mark because every time they've played Sporting Kansas City, it's been above that. Every time they played the Rapids, it's been above that. And I think they may have had a couple games early in the year against teams that were above that mark. The Rebs, on the other hand, playing in the East, haven't played a team that is that high since week three when they played Atlanta United, who was at at 2.0 points per game at that point. And then since then, the highest points per game team they've played is New York City FC, who was at like 163 and 162. And now we're at like 137. Uh, which all is all of which is to say that the top that the East does not have a lot of good teams. Uh, they've only they've basically only played Eastern teams. They they lost to Dallas, I think, and then they played one other Western Conference team who I'm forgetting. But the gap between the Revs at the top of the East and second place is currently 20 points, I believe. No, it's more than that. No, maybe it's 20 points. I think 49 is what Nashville's on. And then you have a bunch of teams that are all reasonably close between two and 10. And then you have absolute garbage teams at the bottom of the Eastern conference. And apparently Rez fans were not happy with me just pointing out this statistical oddity. I wasn't even necessarily drawing any conclusions, but would you guys like to draw any conclusions from this data? Oh, the East is entirely mediocre. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I feel a bit for them because I absolutely detest when people like to make and then move like imaginary goalposts, redefining what a trophy is for. Like the supporter shield means you got the most points. It literally does not matter how you did it or who you did it against. And like, they're going to have the supporter shield and we're not. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, but yeah, it is a bit (laughs) illuminating to see like the disparity between the conferences. But again, the supporters still doesn't go to who won the strongest conference. It goes to the, the right. team that has the most points. And that sadly is the New England Revolution. Right. And I that's and I think that you make a very good point that it's like the shield is not meant to represent anything other than here's a here's an award for getting the most points. It doesn't mean you're the best team. And heck, I suppose MLS Cup doesn't necessarily mean you're the best team. Who the best team is is something that we can debate and that's what's wonderful about sports. But uh, it's not the champion of the league. We've all, I think, come to terms with that. Uh, and the winner of MLS Cup is. And so the Sounders very much can still play for that. But it, I do wonder if, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that play, how, what impact that has on the playoffs. And I suppose with a bunch of one-off games, it's going to be hard to draw any firm conclusions about that, what, what that means. But I don't know. You look at, you look at LAFC back in 2019 – and yeah, the Sounders beat them, but even before the Sounders beat them, they kind of struggled against the Galaxy. I think that's who they played. It was that crazy 5-3 game, I think. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, I, I do kind of wonder if, if that ends up like running away with those, like not playing a bunch of tough games. And I, I suppose you could point to the enormous number of one goal games that the one, maybe that's, maybe that's, you, know, you can look at it two, one of two ways. Either they are not as good as their record suggests or they're battle-tested. I suppose you can kind of take both, both of those. But I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the playoffs. Uh, I'm choosing to be optimistic about the playoffs. And 
And it would be even, I certainly wouldn't mind playing Nashville in the final at, at, Centri- at Lumen. Yeah, I would appreciate it if we keep having good home form and lots of home wins in this. Yeah. However many more home games we have left, I would like to put those bad home losses away um, in the back of our mind before we go into the playoffs because we're playing to be first in the West right now. And if you're first in the West, you get to play all your games at home. Yep. Um, and I would like that to mean something and not be something that we don't want. Yeah. Uh, so if- I th- I think this game against Casey on the weekend will be really important for that. I totally agree with that. And it's, it's important to note that if the Sounders just win their home games from here on out, uh, there'll be an MLS cup. Like it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Like if they just win all the remake, like if they win their next two regular season home games and then they win all their, that they'll be guaranteed home field advantage uh, at least until MLS cup. And if they get to the playoffs, those will all be at home. There's my logic for you. So I, I, I just hope that Sounders don't lose another uh, another home game this year. It yeah. seems like a good policy. Uh, and yeah. as Beth said, you know, kind of putting the, the bad juju of, of the summer of the drop points at home behind them, which I think they've mostly done. Um, I think, you know, they've kind of regressed to the mean, I think uh, is a good way to describe it at, on the road and at home. Yeah. Um, and so they've started to get, you know, the results at home that they should get. Uh, they dropped some points on the road, but have still managed to get some points uh, on the road, which is kind of how, what you expect. So uh, that obviously bodes well for uh, the playoffs going forward. So if they, you know, they can win uh, against Kansas City and uh, win uh, against uh, the Galaxy, uh, then, you know, you know, they'll be in, they'll be in pretty good shape. Speaking of Lumen Field, uh, we are also – the, 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 I guess I don't know if the Sounders get credit for this, but the Seattle 2026 Organizing Committee uh, unveiled their branding today. And uh, as you may or may not know, FIFA is going to be in town on October 31st and 1st and, and maybe even November 2nd uh, to take in Seattle and see what we have in terms of our bid for uh, potentially host being one of the hosts of the 2026 World Cup. Uh, Mickey, what are you? What are your expectations from this? Uh, did, did you find out? Did you learn anything from this release that came out today? Uh, no, I mean it's it's your kind of perfunctory. Uh, you know, uh, here we go. Here's our uh, here's our uh, you know our brand. Here's our marketing. This is why Seattle's so great. They've got the ambassadors that they want to have involved uh, to kind of woo uh, the FIFA officials. Uh, so that's all going to be fine and, and, and well, uh, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're in a decent spot as far as uh, their chances uh, to host uh, unless something obviously goes completely horribly wrong during their presentation. Um, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, uh, before we recorded about, you know, what they're going to need to do to entice FIFA a little bit more, uh, with regards to Lumen Field, uh, which obviously has mostly to do with, uh, the grass pitch. Uh, that is certainly something that they're going to have to, to, to deal with. Uh, and they can certainly put grass in. Uh, I don't think the overlay on the turf is going to cut it. That's for sure. Um, they're going to have to install grass, uh, for that world cup. 
um, and then just kind of go from there. Um, who knows, maybe the Seahawks by that point have a change of heart and, you know, decide they would prefer to play on grass going forward. There are some, I think, some infrastructure issues with how the, the stadium is kind of situated, uh, which make grass a little bit more difficult. But, you know, the technology is there, or at least we would hope it's there to, to make sure that happens. But just generally speaking, I'm just looking forward to seeing what uh, the presentation looks like. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see what the uh, U.S. soccer has to say about uh, the bit as well, because they're certainly going to have some influence uh, over the final decision making. Not, you know, the final decision is absolutely FIFA's and they'll certainly take uh, counsel from U.S. soccer. But U.S. soccer will be involved in that decision making. I know that for a fact, uh, at least as far as the recommendations on uh, which city host cities they recommend to FIFA. Um, and so, yeah, it should be an interesting uh, couple of days. And, uh, you know, there's some reports out there that uh, they're going to get a, a, a tour of the future Sounders training site. Um, and that is something obviously Sounders fans have been looking forward to for what, 10 uh, maybe, maybe not 10 years, but, you know, you know, we're getting close to five it. years. I mean, yeah, yeah. At least five, six years. So uh, it that'll be interesting to see if we finally get a, a, a hint of where this, uh, this, uh, you know, new facility is going to be housed. Cause we have some guesses, uh, but it's been pretty tight lipped. Yeah. You can go all the way back. My, the story I heard was when Garth Lagerway was hired in 2015, that the Sounders at that point were getting ready to, you know, they had done the whole, they had started S2. They were getting ready to play these games. And they were essentially getting ready to make a pretty significant capital investment into Starfire and sort of making Starfire an even more like long-term home. They were going to build facilities for the Academy. They were going to have separate facilities for S2. And then they were sort of going to like expand their footprint at Starfire. And Garth came in and, and apparently looked at the plans and, and said, is this really what we want to invest all this money in? And, and I think understandably the Sounders sort of, like made the choice that it was better to do something to like go big rather than sort of put a bandaid on, on the current situation at Starfire. And, but I don't know that they necessarily foresaw that six years later, they'd still be sitting here thinking, okay, well, what are we going to do? And, you know, one, I, I thought it was interesting in some research that one of our colleagues, Steve Vogt was doing, he found uh, a report that I think was from 2006 or around there that Adrian was pretty close to closing a deal to build a whole soccer complex at the Midway site in Kent. Uh, that's kind of your neck of the woods. Uh, both of you are from or live down there or have li- or from down there. Uh, what can you tell us about the Midway site? And is that, does that one make sense for a potential Sounders training facility still? Um, I, I think it's okay. The, the location, you know, just a pure location is a pretty good one. Um, I'm not sure if the footprint exactly matches what they want to do. And it's not exactly, you know, again, something else we were talking about is it, it, it's, it's kind of a, a deal to get there uh, just generally speaking. Um, but I think it would mostly work for what they want to do. But again, this kind of goes back to what Garth, talked about at the beginning is you know is this what they want to do because this is where they're going to be for the next 30 odd years or 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 whatever um and so when you make that decision you have to kind of think about you know you don't want to have to to 
do something that you're not going to be happy with 15 years down the line and try to be moving somewhere else. So uh, at this point, you just want to make sure that the footprint is what you want. Uh, the transit options are what you want um, and uh, that you can build it out how you want. You have any thoughts on, on Midway, Beth? Um, I mean, I think my only, my only take is that it's going to take you a considerable amount of time in the morning to get from Starfire to Kent on 167. Uh, so you may be adding some commute time for everyone, but. And I, I guess the, the other thing that is working in its favor is it's reasonably close, maybe not walking distance, but it's reasonably close to a potential light rail stop, which is essentially at uh, this, what's the, the college that's near there? It's, Highline. Uh, Highline, yeah. Uh, and so the other site that we've kind of surmised as being possible is the Warehouser site, which is kind of in the same broad part of the county. It's in the south part of the county. Uh, that, that's when you like a little bit more, right, Mickey? Yeah, I like that one a lot more. Um, it's already got, uh, it's already built out. There's already facilities, uh, buildings on site. So you would not necessarily, you wouldn't have to, you know, raise the site and then build it up uh, from scratch. Um, there's plenty of acreage. Uh, it's right off the freeway. Um, it's visible from the freeway. Um, the the problem, the thing that it doesn't have going for it that the Midway one does is the transit. As far as public transit is is not nearly as good. You you will have to drive there um, at least based on the current uh, you know uh, transit options. But uh, I think it's it's centrally located uh, in the South Sound. Um, it's reasonably easy to get to. Uh, based on you know freeway access, uh, it's also uh, close to uh, Highway 18, 167, um, I-5, obviously. So uh, I, I like the site better just because uh, they can do a little bit more with it, I think. Um, but again, you know, we don't have any idea if that's what they're actually looking at. Uh, but I think it's 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 just sitting there and has been since Warehouser left. Uh, so I I think there's a lot to like about that site, um, but we'll. Again, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Although there would be an interesting uh, synergy to warehouse or moving into Pioneer Square and yeah. the Sounders leaving Pioneer Square, uh, which is, which they, I don't know if people know this or not, but the Sounders have effectively left their Pioneer Square office. They, they still have the 90 there, but uh, they are now, I think, fully remote. Actually. Fully remote, yeah, or, or as close to it as you can get at this point, which, you know, is understandable under the, uh, based on what we've been dealing with for the right. last uh, year and a half. I will say the one thing that sort of makes me sad, and, and we don't know that this is the case. It, it, it's entirely possible that the Sounders are looking at sites in Bellevue or in North Seattle or, or north of Seattle. Uh, but the one thing that does make me a little sad is thinking that how much harder, like it's going to be a lot harder for, not that there's a ton of Sounders that live in Seattle proper now. There are some, uh, but I think it probably makes living in Seattle a little tougher, a, a little tougher of a commute to get uh, to those South Sound uh, locations. Anything close to Tacoma is uh, generally not a fun time when you're when you're commuting. That is that is for sure. I mean, people think that Seattle, uh, you know, downtown is bad. I mean, Tacoma has been under the construction for you know thirty years. It seems like, right? And, uh, yeah, ugh, yeah. Just I shudder thinking about it. It's it's not great. But well, we are going to probably learn, if not before then, uh, we should learn more about all of this stuff by November 1st, the Sounders are going to be hosting a press conference before the game against the Galaxy, which is also the last home game. 
which I imagine they're probably going to, I wouldn't be surprised if they open the stadium up for that one uh, in, in part to try to impress uh, the FIFA people that will be in town. But I, I would hope that they're going to have some public plans that they can share and we can kind of learn more and we can potentially get excited about what might happen if, if uh, World Cup comes to Seattle. I, I don't know how many games it's actually we're talking about. I would think probably only two or three, right? I would think they would get a knockout maybe. But again, that's kind of dependent on where the other games are because, you know, they're going to pod this, uh, you know, you know, heavily, um, which is kind of one of the concerns about whether Seattle gets a game in the first place is, is where they kind of group those games. Uh, but, you know, assuming Seattle gets picked, uh, and I think Vancouver's back in the mix now after initially having uh, bailed out. Uh, so I would imagine they would get at least, you know, uh, one of the pods right. and potentially a knockout round game. Um, I think that's what you kind of would hope for uh, from a, uh, and from a, a Seattle perspective. And I guess it also depends on where they, you know, put the final to. Yep. Well, um, I think that's, that's about what we have today. Did we have any, did I, did I forget to tick off any items? Beth? I just think we ignored that we played really badly in Houston. Oh, we did kind of ignore that. <laughs> I yeah. don't remember I'm that fine game. with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's much to say about Houston. It was, it was a, uh, a game better left. Not, speaking a lot of i think shouldn't have brought it up sorry everybody no it's okay it's 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 worth mentioning but yeah like i think that just kind of underscored the importance of getting that result in in colorado which i think that's the best thing you could say about it right which sort of brings us full circle uh but anyway that's i think we'll we'll call that a show i am jeremiah shan signing off for beth mantle and mickey turner i won't make you make you guys uh do that on your own Uh, but we'll catch you next time.